Welcome to the broadcast. I'm your host, Maggie Cavanaugh. Today I have with me an amazing sister in Christ. I have Melissa Hooray. And what a great last name. I'm thinking uh, that is the coolest last name ever. But she is a singer, a speaker, a broadcaster. She is the co-host of The Hope Report, which is an amazing podcast that she does with Jason Perry. And she is the executive director of the Lindell Recovery uh, Network, which is an absolutely awesome. If you are not familiar with that, it is amazing. You definitely need to check that out. So, Melissa, welcome to the broadcast. Well, hi, Maggie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very grateful that our paths crossed, that the Lord connected us, and just being able to find out more about your ministry and everything you're doing, especially having three daughters. One is already grown up, but having two school-age girls in my house, I really admire the work you're doing uh, to help them develop an identity in the Lord. I think it's some of the most important work. So I am, I'm uh, blessed to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I am certainly honored to serve that generation. I do believe that there is an attack from the enemy against our young people, and we have to bind together. We have to pray, stand, and decree, and do everything that we can to help them navigate the waters of life, because we know the culture is after them. The enemy is screaming loud, so I just like to scream loud about Jesus, so thank you for saying that, and yeah. uh, I was very honored to be on y'all's podcast, which it was, I love it. I love that you are just testing after testimony of the goodness of God and freedom. Tell well, the viewers you. how long this has been going on. Yeah, it was a delight to have you. If people want to watch your testimony, it's on the Hope Report. Or it's on our YouTube channel. So I work for Mike Lindell, as you know, but that started in, I've been with him for four years. My history is as an addiction counselor. I actually worked in the news media for about seven years. And then there was a lot of transitioning going on. The station closed and I decided to go back to school to become an addiction counselor. I'd always felt called to do that. So I worked in treatment centers for about 12 years and I was beginning to get very burnt out with the work. I mean, I was, you know, I wanted to help addicts, but I was struggling with having balance in my life. And I'd go home worrying about my clients and wondering who might relapse this weekend. I found myself going to a lot of funerals over the past couple of years of my work. And as I was praying and pressing into the Lord, I happened to find out about Mike Lindell's story. And of course, I, you know, I live in Minnesota. Everyone knows Mike Lindell. We, we used to know him as the My Pillow guy before he got involved in all these other areas he's in now. But I, of course, I knew the My Pillow guy. But one day I was at the mall. Um, it's a suburb. I live in a su suburb of the Twin Cities, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, a Southwest suburb. And we were at the mall. We saw the cutout of Mike Lindell with his cross hanging out. And a lot of people talk about that, you know, his cross. And I maybe like many others was drawn to that. And I thought, oh, I wonder why he wears his cross like that. He's a Christian, but he's purposely hanging it out of his dress shirt. So I was searching on my phone, you know, Mike Lindell as I'm walking through the mall. And so then I started <laughs> saying to my husband, Mike Lindell was a crack addict. Did you know that? He was, he was a crack addict. He's been clean for a bunch of years. And so I became kind of compelled with his story. So I, I continued working at the treatment center I was at, but I was, you know, half the time my mind was on, I was telling my clients about Mike Lindell. For one thing, he hires addicts and felons. He's, he's a second chance employer. He will give people 50 chances if they are willing to accept help. He provides free treatment for people. He will promote Christian treatment programs. So I was just really drawn to what he was doing. And I thought, I think this is the reboot I need. I still want to help addicts, but I really want to be part of what he's doing. So I tried and tried to get into the company, but it seemed like there wasn't an easy 
you know, rode in and I just kind of gave up for a while. I kept praying. And then we had a big revival here in um, Minneapolis at U.S. Bank Stadium. It was called Pulse Twin Cities. And it was in May of 2018. And Mike Lindell was telling his story there and he knelt on a pillow and he he said Proverbs 3, 5. And I'm like, I got to work for this guy. So this is going to take up the whole broadcast if I go through the whole story. But I ended up in his conference room through a series of divine events divine um, situations where I applied for a job at the pillow store. They called me in. They said, Mike is starting this platform to help addicts. I mean, maybe it'd be something you could be part of. So anyway, that's how it went. Uh, and Mike said, you know, I want to hire you. And, and I said, you do? Don't you want to do an interview or something? And he said, no, I, I know that you're the one. I've prayed about it. I've had three people say your name in the past week. And you know the odds of that. What are the odds? You know, he's always saying that's the name of his book. What are the odds? So I started working for him. And then about 15 months ago, we started the Hope Report because Mike had said when I first met him, he said, one of these days I'm going to have a show. It's only going to be good news. It's going to be called the Hope Report. I said, well, that sounds really cool. You know, I didn't know I would be part of that. But Maggie, you know, it's all about how God brought this broadcasting opportunity back because I always kind of missed it. But I'm like, I'm not going to go back into a newsroom. I'm not going to, you know, try to apply for a reporting job. You know, I'm not I'm too old for that. I, I don't really want to do that grind anymore. And I have a family. So God brought this opportunity to do the Hope Report. And then Jason Perry was brought to us from our friend Paul Lavelle, who created the Operation Restored Warrior Program. And so Jason and I do the show. We started in April of 20, gosh, 2021. Yeah, it was a year in April that we've been doing it. We have, I think, 183 episodes now, some somewhere in there. So, yeah, it's been a great That's ride. Amazing. That's an amazing story. Absolutely amazing story because God had already prepared your heart. And I understand that transitioning out of a career, especially in recovery, it can be heavy. Uh, I have been a biblical counselor for a while and I know the heaviness. And there are times where I'm like, Lord, please, you know, this is, you know, if you've got to be able to transfer that to the cross pretty quickly and it gets to the point sometimes where it's very taxing. So first, I want to thank you. For all the years that you served as a counselor in addiction. Yeah. And Thank you. It, yeah, it's such an important thing. There are so many people out there that are hurting and they need people that understand. And uh, and I love how the Lord connected you with Mike Lindell. We, we have a high level of respect in our household for him. He is an amazing man of God and we are incredibly thankful. Uh, we'll be forever thankful for all that he's done for the people in recovery and, and, yeah. and the U.S. in general. OK, because he's speaking some truth about some things that we all know that's out there. And, yes. and I, I understand you're not going back into the media because the media is a hot mess. <laughs> oh, you're so right. Well, part of me was drawn. I think my well, when I had no identity and I was still in my addiction, I was very drawn to that validation of being on sure. TV, being seen. But it was like flipping a switch. Once I got sober and the Lord delivered me, similarly to Mike was radically freed and I was radically freed really after four years of praying and struggling. But the Lord delivered me of it. And all of a sudden I wanted out almost instantly. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. This job is a drag. I, I'm just not like, I'm not on fire for it like I used to be. And that's when he moved me into counseling. So Thank you for saying that. And I did have a lot of guilt about, God, I know you want me to help addicts. I just am feeling like I can't, you know, serve my family or do anything else because my I'm mentally um, preoccupied constantly with, I saw 55 people a week at the end of my time. I mean, you could see why I was burnt out, but I did five groups oh, a yeah. week. 
And now I just worked up into that, you know, kind of like boiling a frog, how, you know, if you don't have boundaries with your employer, they'll use you as much. And not that they were using me, but. Right. But, you know, I get it. I, I was available if they needed me to cover groups and things like that. So it got to be a lot. You know, in the book Ecclesiastic, it talks about a time and a season for everything. And we are currently in that season and you are still helping addicts in a different way. And this is what you do with the Recovery Network is is empowering. I mean, it's exciting. So um, you've been doing that for what, four years now? Yeah, you're, you're, I'm so excited that you said that because God created a new opportunity for me. And like you said, still able to help addicts, but not um, kind of the compassion burnout that I had. So Mike had envisioned this platform and he he got this idea about a hope match, he would call it, because Mike was a crack addict and he had specific things relating to his addiction that were specific to that drug. Um, and we all know that there are broad things that we all relate to with addiction, like the shame, sure. the hiding, the, you know, the preoccupation yep. takes over your mind and your life. But then, then there are also specific things to the drug. Like with crack, Mike was, you know, carpet farming, he called it, uh, peeking out the blinds and looking, you know, being paranoid. So he also wanted to illustrate what are the specific effects of certain drugs. I was a blackout binge drinker. So one of my things was just overwhelming shame of coming to not knowing what I did, not knowing where I've been, just the panic and the, um, you know, all paranoia of who did I talk to? Who did I see? And especially when I was in the public eye, who saw me? And just my, in, my right. constant fear was somebody finding out that I really wasn't this community rep representative person. I was a blackout binge drinker, like out in seedy bars at night. So we wanted to create a platform that that sort of led with the sin, which was kind of the opposite of what you would see in the treatment world where everyone wants to see the, the testimony and the, you know, the redeemed life. But um, on the lindellrecoverynetwork.org, on the main page, you will find video clips of people where initially they're just talking about what they didn't like about their drug or their addiction. It could be gambling, sex, porn, crack, whatever. You type in, um, you can select from the drop down your addiction and then enter your age and it will populate matches for you. They're just short clips. And then when you get inside the platform, you will see their full story, their full testimony. But, you know, if you can think of an addict who's at the lowest point and they connect with someone speaking their language, like, oh, I woke up with so much shame because I don't know how, how did I get here? Oh, who is this person next to me? You know, like, I didn't want to talk about that as a 30 year old woman. I thought that was horrifically shameful, but to have somebody nor not normalize it, but just say, I've been where you've been and I can show you the answer. And the answer is Jesus. So when you get, it just gives me the chill saying that when you get into the platform, you see there's options for people. You can choose a Christian treatment program, all free or low cost. We do not endorse high end rehabs or like a very well-known one here in Minnesota that I won't mention, but you don't need to pay $40,000 to get set free. I mean, some Amen. people might, you know, don't you, it just, it's sickening. The, the rehab, the multi-billion dollar treatment industry bleeds people dry when really we could point them to Jesus. And yes, sometimes you might need a structured environment like Teen Challenge or Salvation Army or other discipleship programs. Sure. So we have a searchable database and for um, all 50 states where you just enter your zip code all the treatment centers have been vetted by us, by the Lindell Recovery Network team. And then we have a church locator. So if you're, maybe you're not willing to go to treatment, but we're trying to engage people because we have millions of addicts who are not going to go to treatment. They want help, but maybe they're ashamed or they have other barriers. So maybe they're willing to go to church. Maybe they're going to connect with a Celebrate Recovery group in their church or a pastoral counselor in their, like you, where 
that might be enough. You know, maybe they don't need a full blown treatment program. So they can choose that or the online help. We have a few dozen biblical counseling guides by June Hunt and other book, free digital books up on the site. That's everything is free. Mike is not asking for a dime from anyone. No membership fee, no nothing. Come on there, search the platform for free. You can connect with testimonies of hope and then do the full Operation Restored Warrior course, read the digital books. Just poke around on there, lindellrecoverynetwork.org. It's a fantastic resource amazing resource. And I love the fact that it also gives them alternatives because some people have been working uh, towards their freedom and they're at a certain level and they might not be in active addiction, but they need a support system because we heal in community. God made it that way where we are just to, you know, that iron sharpening iron and that accountability piece. So it really has something to offer for everybody. And I hope you guys check it out. If you're listening to this, like she said, if you're listening to this audio, it is lindellrecoverynetwork.org. But if you're watching it, we put it up there on the screen. Take a picture right now. Don't forget it and keep it on hand because I don't care where you live. I don't care what your race is. I don't care what your age is. You know someone who is struggling. And if you don't know someone who's struggling, you are friends with someone whose family member is struggling because this is an epidemic and it all comes from, um, you know, I love that you mentioned some of the root causes of, um, you know, the trauma-based stuff, the shame, the guilt, the things that they carry that keeps them in that perpetual cycle. So I'm so excited that you've just celebrated 19 years uh, of uh, sobriety. Yes. So amazing. I never, it never gets old. Yes, I'd be happy to. It never gets old. Yes. Every year I celebrate another year. Um, but just briefly, I'll try to put it in a nutshell. I mean, growing up, I was very insecure. I, I would say my major wound was abandonment. And I know about you too, Maggie, you had a, a broken dysfunctional home and, and that's pretty common nowadays at different levels of dysfunction. My parents yes. both worked, but my dad was an alcoholic. My mom was very codependent. So I didn't have emotional access to them. And very quickly, I felt a big wound that I needed to fill in order to be okay. I taught myself how to be alone. So, you know, I was always alone after school. I had an older brother, but he was busy with his own stuff and he really wasn't around a lot. So that abandonment wound um, from an early age. And I know my mom, you know, she loved me. They both loved me. They didn't intend for this to happen, but it was just sure. a follow of their own uh, baggage and addictions. So I, when I was around 14, I started restricting with food, just um, eating disordered behavior binging and purging. And then I started drinking and instantly started looking for a, a guy to attach myself to a, a male figure that would love me. And that was really my whole mission throughout um, high school and college was to try to, I wanted to get married. I wanted to create a family with somebody who would never leave me. And I would always select kind of approachable, not very challenging men who were not, you know, not, not motivated or academically inclined, I would go, you know, my standards were very low. <laughs> and I didn't think very highly of myself. So when I was, by the time I was 20, I'd already been engaged twice. And uh, I got married when I was 21. I had a daughter in, in that marriage, but it ended by the time I was 23. So I was a divorced 23 year old with a toddler. And, and I did, you know, I found the Lord when I was nine, I had accepted Jesus at a vacation Bible school, like a lot of people do. And my parents did bring me to bring us to church. Occasionally we had kind of the cultural Christianity, no real relationship or spirit filled, you know, presence in our home, but, but alcohol provided the medication for my abandonment wound and my insecurity and panic. And I would just use it for everything. 
I was more of a, like I said, a blackout binge drinker. So every weekend I'd be, you know, drunk in gravel pits, driving drunk. Looking back, I think of how the Lord spared me of so many yeah. near death experiences, you know, and just the, the covering that I had, I I'm so grateful for now, but I drank like that from 15 to 30. But by the, when I was 26, I started trying to quit. I had two DWIs in one year. I rear-ended someone in a blackout and didn't remember it. Luckily, she wasn't injured, but I, my consequences started to dramatically increase. Um, and then my father passed away from liver failure. He was 54. Mm -hmm. And after that, I said, I'm never going to drink again, you know, famous last words, but I, and I still mm -hmm. relapsed a few more times after he died, but I feel like the Lord stepped up his pursuit of me. And I started to have just incredible crippling shame and the fallout of my drinking binges was just just unbearable. And I started asking God for help, but I didn't realize until the last time that I had never truly repented. And this was something I brought up about, you know, keys for living or keys for people want to get sober. They really don't want yes. to hear that for repentance word. It sounds like a antiquated church word, but I never really repented. I wanted to control it or I wanted to stop for a while and kind of get my life to calm down. And mm -hmm. then yeah. I wouldn't accept that I couldn't have it. I couldn't have drinking and a functional life. So on August 22nd, 2003, I came to from a 12 hour blackout. I was at the Minnesota State Fair. I had just been hammered. I was falling down the stairs at the grandstand. I, I came to in this strange motel room with the guy that I had come to the fair with who had kind of babysit sat me, I guess you could say. And I've never had such overwhelming shame and, and just, I begged God, please don't ever let me drink again. I I'd never want to touch alcohol again. Um, I'll do anything you want. If you just help me never drink again, that was kind of my, my crude prayer, you know, but, and I didn't realize that I was repenting that I truly wanted to be done. I wanted it with every yes. fiber of my being. And as the days and weeks rolled forward, I never wanted to drink again. I did not have craving. I didn't have mental obsession. I didn't have like, oh, I'm, you know, pity, pity you know, pity party because I can't do it. Yeah. In that moment, he met me with his grace when I was truly done and I was truly repentant. And I'm not saying that's all I had to do, but I'm, but he did remove the physical piece, like the, the, just the crippling mental, like hold it had on me. Like I, I have to drink more. I have to do it. So um, that was August 22nd, 2003. So I did just celebrate 19 years of freedom from that. And thank you. <laughs> and yeah, I still went through some tough things. Like, like we know, once you get sober, it doesn't mean life doesn't still continue um, presenting challenges. I, I got married. This I don't know how much you want to hear the story, but I, I got married um, a year after I got sober. So we just celebrated 18 years of marriage and we have two daughters. So combined with my daughter from my first marriage, I have three daughters. And my wow. husband and I went through some problems at year seven of our marriage. I mean, we didn't know if we were going to make it. And we turned to the Lord and we um, got on our knees and asked him to help us. And and since mm -hmm. then, our marriage has just been incredible. Um, it, it started good. We had you know the problems and then yes. we have turned back to God. And I, I'm just so his faithfulness. He keeps proving himself to me over and over again. 
Wow. What a beautiful testimony of his goodness and his pursuit for you and his, his love you. for you. And thank you for sharing all the additional details because people, someone needs to hear that today. I know, <coughs> excuse me. I know that whenever it comes to repentance, you know, we, people don't, you, like you said, they don't like, it's kind of like submission, you know, they, they, they don't like that word. They don't like repentance. And these are truly yeah. biblical principles that we need to live by. For me, I believe that 80% of our walk with the Lord is repentance because we're going to fall and we need his forgiveness. And that's what Christianity is based on is, is forgiveness of our sins and, you know, and us forgiving others. So thank you for sharing that. And as far as the, the relationship goes, it's interesting. Um, the seventh year, you know, seven is a number of completion, but it's like, there was probably a testing there and the enemy knew that you had come, been walking out your freedom and you weren't going back. And so he tried to come in and it kind of reminds me of Jesus in the wilderness. You know, he left, you know, the enemy was there tempting him over and over. And the Bible says that it left him for a more opportune time. So the enemy wow. was coming at you again, trying to destroy your marriage because seven is that completion thing. So praise God yeah. that you and your husband knew to turn to the Lord and to submit your marriage to him. And that's why it's so healthy. And I'm so excited that you two just got away for a little getaway for to celebrate that. So you're celebrating right around the same time, a covenant with your husband, but also the covenant that you made with the Lord. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, you're so right, Maggie. I'm glad you brought that up because I know the enemy realized he couldn't get to me through the alcohol and that that was a closed door, but he does come in other ways. And you mentioned the seven, something I recently realized that I never had noticed before the day I got divorced with my you know husband, I was married to for like two years. It was nine, four. Um, it, there was seven years between exactly to the day I got married on nine, four, oh, four. I filed for divorce on nine, four, 97. So there was exactly wow. seven years between my divorce and my marriage to Mike, my husband now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I looked at that and I'm like, wow, God really brought just brought that. You know, I was living outside of his will. I wanted to force an outcome before it was time. And I know many of us do that. Mm -hmm. I wanted this guy that I married. You know, it wasn't really his fault. I don't think he ever wanted to marry me. I was pushing a commitment. I was trying and he was hesitant. But I just thought, you know, I can change him. I can you know, he'll, he'll get used to the idea. And, and I had created this big mess that I had to walk through afterwards, but it's just so much better to wait on God's timing than try to Amen. force the outcome. <laughs> so I've been praying lately, God, get me out of anything that wasn't your idea. That's been one of my prayers mm -hmm. because I know it's not going to thrive and it's not going to take off without him in it. So that's, that's one of my key prayers. Wow. What a great prayer. And that, and that's how we should be with everything laying it at I, right now in my personal life. I have everything laying at the altar going, God, this may be good, but if it's not you and it's not your timing that I don't want to have it going on. <laughs> Time is too short on the earth and we have to be walking in our calling. I want to talk a little bit about the hope report because I absolutely yes. love the podcast. Uh, and yes. I'm going to actually have Jason on later in the month. I so I get to interview him as well. Yes, yes. I had a cancellation because I was get, reaching out to him. I was going to get him in November, but I had a cancellation. I was like, I'm, I'm messaging him now. <laughs> so well, talk a little bit uh, about the hope report. Well, I think it's so awesome how God uses the body and he aligns us and he puts the right people into our path. And it's funny because when we started the hope report, I was looking at somebody else as a co-host. I, I think 
subconsciously, I wanted someone easier. I wanted someone who wouldn't challenge me. I know. And I can see that now because I'm so grateful for Jason. Now we have taught each other a lot. As you said, iron sharpening iron. We've worked through a lot of things together. Um, we are very different people. As you could probably see, you know, he's a military guy. And when we're talking on the podcast, I'll have this big thought and Jason will boil it down to like one statement. And I'll be like, yes, that's exactly what I meant. And he's very to the point. He's very, um, you know, he doesn't get all wrapped up in a bunch of emotional content, but, but he's been such a blessing to our family. Almost a year ago, my husband went to a event jason has these periodic uh forgings where he does you know uh, military stuff shooting stuff and and biblical stuff so he kind of like the the shooting and the the <laughs> combat gets the people in the door and then he has a whole christian piece of prayer walk and praying and he and my husband is kind of a reserved guy and when they first got there jason said okay everyone's going to do their testimony tomorrow and my mic's like, are you kidding? He, he thought I was tricking him. He's like, what do you mean we're doing testimony? But it turned out to be great for him. And he has almost finished reading. It's taken him 50 years to get interested in the Bible. And Jason was really the reason, the catalyst for this, about him stepping up and leading the family like he is now and almost yeah. finishing the Bible. Next month, he'll have finished the entire Bible. And I'm so grateful for his um, discipleship to my mic. I say my mic versus Mike Lindell. My mic and Mike Lindell. <laughs> but, but yeah, Jason and his wife, Lauren, and their two daughters, they're, they're amazing people. I'm so grateful that he and I are doing this together. We both believe in it. And early on, I think people would come to us because they thought they were going to get some kind of pipeline to Mike Lindell. And we've, we've you know, just made sure people know we're, we want to glorify Jesus and we are... Yeah glorifying, um, you know, changed lives through Jesus. And if you want to do that, then we want you on. And if Mike finds you or he notices you because of that, you know, that, that's basically all we can do. But yeah, we're really unified in that. We want it to be not about us at all and, and all about Jesus. I love it. I love it. And it's three times a week, y'all. So if you want to catch that, you can catch that. You can go back and watch previous episodes on YouTube. And uh, we put the YouTube channel up there. It is the YouTube, the Hope Report. And uh, if you want to listen to it live, you can listen to it live Monday, Wednesday, Friday at what time is it again? It's at noon central. And we stream live on Frank's speech and Lindell TV too. And then we're on Abundant TV and we're on yes. uh, Overcomers TV, a few other, you know, Christian networks. I can't think of them. Oh, His Glory. Um, so, yeah, we, we are live on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube and Lindell to and Frank speech. <laughs> so, yeah, you can watch us or check out the YouTube channel. We uh, we have all of our episodes up there. So we had a little tiny, a little tiny like suspension for something really dumb. But but we're back now, <laughs> you know, but we've been pretty legit. We've been trying to stay where we're not. We're, we're talking about Jesus and we're not doing anything that would get get us noticed in the wrong ways. <laughs> <laughs> well, I absolutely love it. Love you and Jason. What you guys are doing is very important. And, and I love the combination being on your show. I just felt like I was sitting at the table with two brothers and sister. You know, I was just like, it was like, it was, you make your guests feel very comfortable and you give people, people permission to be real. And I love that. I'm all about the real thing. So oh, <laughs> I'm glad you had that experience. We, we want people to feel like it's a three-way conversation. You know, it's just, yes. 
we want to I felt just... like I was hanging with y'all at the coffee shop. It was perfect. Oh, I love it's it. Good. That's what we want. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Melissa, I'll tell you, you and I could go on for hours. I just absolutely love your heart and the ministry and your testimony of the goodness of God and deliverance from, you know, addiction and all that. But if you could leave the audience with a key, what would that key be? Yeah, well, Maggie, God's been taking me through a process with getting over fear of man. I think it's just a residual from my past of people pleasing and worrying and seeking approval. And a lot of this is really Mike Lindell has helped me get over this. Mike is fearless, as you know. Mike doesn't yeah, worry about his opinion. But, you know, they call him the armor piercing shell that is Mike Lindell, you know, the skin of an armadillo. So he has taught me in his kind of rough way. He'll say, Melissa, you're being too sensitive, you know. To, you, you can fear only God. Do not fear man. You don't work for, for man. You work for God. So in everything you do, ask yourself, is this pleasing to the Lord? Is this bringing glory to the Lord? Or am I trying to you know, get further something for myself? Um, I just think that's it's helped me not worry about people's approval or people how people are going to perceive what I'm saying. I've come out of the shadows more about who I really am and not feared how people are going to receive it. And Mike Lindell has definitely helped with that. Jason has helped with that. He is very bold. He does not care yes. what people think. So we're, we're the opposite that way. But yeah, fear fear only God. Do not fear man. The Lord is my helper. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? That's amen. It. Amen. Listen, you guys, you heard it right here on Keys to Your Best Life. This is Melissa, and she is just, I'm telling you guys, you need to check out this broadcast. The broadcast will encourage you, and everything is pointing back to Jesus and what he's done and the lives of others. And there's just such good stuff on there. So uh, I want to thank you, Melissa, for taking time to be here with us today. Thank you, Maggie. It was a pleasure. Okay. God bless you, sister. Love you. We'll see you guys here next time on Keys to Your Best Life. Bye-bye. Bless.